welcome to the Fantasy Book of the Month podcast for the month of June, July, we'll see. Uh, this is our first episode, happy to be here, we got a great crew, we have Katie, Daniel, Peter, and Rachel, and um, you know, we're going to sort of take it easy this time, guys. What do you think? Oh, wow. Whoa. We were we were so serious otherwise. Yeah. 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 I am operating at 110%. <laughs> I'm going to take this tie off. Finally. Thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. No need for that. No need for that, Daniel. I am totally wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> I am also totally wearing pants. You guys are? I'm not. It's a full pants podcast, is what we're saying. All, that all the fun. that would have been a much better name for this podcast, the Full Pants Podcast. It's not too late. You're right. <laughs> we haven't technically started yet. Um. So, hi guys. How are you doing? This is most of your guys' first podcasts, huh? Yes. Yes. No, but I'm still doing okay. Yeah. No, not you, Daniel. You're the you're the expert here. I am the the old veteran. Yes. <laughs> So why don't you each introduce yourselves and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, this is a fantasy podcast, so tell us, tell us what you think about fantasy and what, what uh, piqued your interest. So uh, Why don't we start at the top? Yeah. So, Katie. All right. Uh, my name is Katie. I am from Minnesota and I don't have an accent. Just no. pointing that out. Um, I thought we determined that you definitely do. No, 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 no. No, we determined <laughs> that I definitely do, apparently. Well... Are you sure? Are you sure? Say milk. Milk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Katie, you're, you're from Minnesota. Yes, I'm from Minnesota. Um, I love fantasy books. I've started reading them when I was like in elementary school. So, who's your, like your favorite author? Ooh. Um. Well, my favorite author currently, Robert Jordan, because I've been reading a lot of the Wheel of Time series. That's a solid classic. I actually haven't, you know, feel free to chime in, guys, but I actually haven't read Wheel of Time yet. Oh, I, I think I'm, I think I'm three times all the way through. Oh, wow. uh, on every on everything that's Robert Jordan, uh, I think I'm only one time through on the last Sanderson book. Holy crap! I think I've read everything except the last book, maybe the last two. Uh, I, I'm of the firm opinion that one day. The uh, owners of the estate are going to uh, authorize a an abridged version, and it will be objectively better than the original. <laughs> I think that's going to be called the Wheel of Time TV show, available soon on uh, Amazon Prime. Yeah. Are they? Is that is that in the works? It oh, is. It's in uh, pre production right now. I don't oh, think they've weird. announced any cast yet, but uh, you know, Sanderson's been out there and, talking and about grade tucking. Uh, Wheel yeah. of Time, King Killer, uh, Lord of the Rings, His Dark Materials, they're all in the production right now. Thanks, Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, you know what else, though? Jeff Bezos is a huge nerd. Is he? Yeah. Like, he loves Lord of the Rings. He's a big, big nerd. And so that's why he wanted to make the Lord of the Rings shows. I read that somewhere. <laughs> so, makes sense, honestly. So well, if you read it, it must be true. Yeah, of course. Um, Katie, do you have anything else you want to add real quick? Anything else you want people to know about you? Social security number? Yeah, um, 867-5309. Oh, <laughs> it's a very short. You're missing a couple. 
Um, I guess I oh, guess Dan. It took me a minute, but Katie, I got that. I got that. Katie. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate I, you. Wait a minute. I love you and everything. <laughs> Eight six zero. Oh. oh wait. No. <laughs> it would help maybe if she went nine zero nine. <laughs> Eight six seven five three zero nine nine. Oh, I thought you were doing the boobies thing. <laughs> you know that is eerily similar to my actual phone number. <laughs> I don't like you doxing me like that on the internet. It's supposed to be a secret. I think people simply do not give out that phone address. I mean, companies don't give out that phone number anymore. Yeah, they don't. It for that used, reason. Yeah. It used to be a real person's number. That's why they can't use it in real people's number anymore in like TV shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's why they're all like five 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 five. Five five. Five 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 five. How is it that five. there's no there's no like company that just wants to buy that phone number though? Well, because I think they're already held in reserve by Hollywood or something like that. <laughs> Fair. Alright, so um Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit really quick about about who you are and what you're doing here? Uh, well, I, my name is Dan Evanson. I am a amateur podcaster, amateur author, amateur a lot of things. Uh, I uh, write, have written a lot of fantasy book reviews on my blog. I guess my personal favorite author is probably Patrick Rothfuss. I think I, I really am in love with those books, those two books that he wrote. Um, <laughs> those two books, yeah, and and the 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 third book that is just ephemera that may well, someday exist. I hope the, no- the novella too. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm okay with that novella. <laughs> oh. Hot take. So, well, wait, so I haven't read that one yet. So I've read the first two novels. Have you guys all read? Um, I've read the first two. Yeah. I've read. I've read I haven't first. read either of them, but I think I own the first one. You gotta read Name of the Wind. Oh my god, it's beautiful. It's on. It's yeah, on it's the pile. The more we talk it up, the the, the less uh, impactful it might be. Yeah. It's, let's just let her let her trip over it. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I haven't read the the um, novella yet, but I'm holding off for a little while on that one. So, so Daniel, you're an amateur. All these things. What are you a professional? Uh, professional, I'm a electronic engineer. Uh, specifically, I work on fire alarms. See, that's pretty cool. Sometimes. Sometimes it's very cool. Most of the time, it's very boring. So <laughs> it leaves me with a lot of time to be amateur, a hundred things. Amateur 3D printer, amateur uh, shelf constructor, cat owner. Well, I've seen your 3D printer set up, and I'm jealous. Can you really be an amateur cat owner? <laughs> I'm just not ready to go pro yet, you know. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. I, I would say the cat owns the human. Right. Well, so I figured he meant the cat was the amateur. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's a professional at owning me, and I'm wrapped around her little claw. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had a serious discussion with my wife this week about whether our cat needs her own Instagram account. So that's the kind of life I'm living. Hey, my, my cats both have it. They have an Instagram account together. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, so Dan, can you tell me why a fire alarm would make a one long beep <laughs> at a period of long, no reason? How often does it do it? It did it once and scared the crap out of me. <laughs> it did one very long beep and then never did it again. Yep. Oh, that's a ghost. 
You got a ghost. <laughs> it was like That's a professional opinion right there. It was three in the morning, and then I heard it, and I was like halfway out my door by the time I realized, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I love this idea of this professional fire alarm guy just saying, oh, nope, it's a ghost. <laughs> That's what it is. I love that. I believe it. The place I lived at was sketchy as hell. <laughs> that might be the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. A lot of customer service calls just ended with ghost. Sorry, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you gonna call? Not me. <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> uh, Do you get a lot of those, Dan? Yep, got a whole folder here. It's uh, my oh, very no, own personal X files. No, I mean, do you get a lot of people saying, oh, you work on fire alarms. Can you solve this problem for me? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's right up there with, uh, oh, you work with computers. Ah, yes. Then I need to fix their computer. Instead, right. I need to go to their house and track down the carbon monoxide detector they installed behind a bookshelf, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. And now it's beeping <laughs> at them and they can't. Um, OK, so I, I guess I'll go. Um, you know, you guys know me. I'm Nick. Um, obviously, I'm the, the other podcast and too many thoughts media dot com here. And, um, you know, I'm actually just excited to be talking with you guys about something um, a little more, uh, you know, my speed. Um, you know, I love fantasy. Been reading pretty much nonstop since since I learned how to read. And uh, you know, the other other shows I do while they're fun. You know, I'm not necessarily a huge movie guy, uh, so I'm just I'm just really pumped to actually talk about something that I really care about. You know. Yes. Um, so who is he? you're our leader, Nick? Lead, lead. Lead. Who's your favorite <laughs> author, Nick? My favorite author currently, uh, my go-to guy is Brandon Sanderson. Um, that guy's just a, he's a machine. Seriously. I mean, it, I like, I love the Game of Thrones books. I love a name, um, the name of the wind. But again, both of those guys just nothing against them. Cause I, I mean, I can imagine being a writer is very stressful and time consuming and, you know, but Sanderson just pumps out like thousand page books that are brilliant every year. And so, you know, from, from the reader's point of view, I think he's solid and I'm hoping eventually to get into Robert Jordan. And, uh, cause I know that's sort of one of Sanderson's claims to fame is that he finished that series out. Wait for the abridged series. <laughs> are you talking like, like Dragon Ball Z abridged where we're like, Oh my God. <laughs> or Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. No. Right. <laughs> Although those are hilarious, uh, I would lo- I would love if they made a made a version like that. I mean, it does sort of exist. There are the old I don't know. This is this is dating me, but there are old um, the Isum stories. I don't know if you guys know are are aware of those. They are like basically Dragon Ball Z abridged, but for Wheel of Time. I think they only cover like the first eight books or something, because that's when they. Uh, I think it was the Isum. I'd have to find them. I'm sure I have them saved somewhere. But the, basically, they were some guy from the the Wheel of Time video game chat room. Oh my! Uh, God, readed boy. those. That's that is that is how far back I go. <laughs> I remember when game. that game was coming out. No, it never never published, did it? Uh, I think it did. It was not well received. Although it was, yeah. I remember playing it, and it's it's kind of cool, but. It was not the reason why I was it was it was mostly I was in those message boards because they were the only Wheel of Time message boards at the time, which was like 2001. 
Holy crap. I was three years old. <laughs> okay, I give I quit this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to tell okay. you, but I'll tell okay, you. Okay, I'm close to your age. I was learning how to count money <laughs> in school. I was learning the difference between a nickel and a dime <laughs> in 2001. Me, me and Nick, the very young ones. Yeah. I am so sorry, Daniel. <laughs> That's okay. I have a lawn you can get off of. So. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Um, hey, Peter. What's up? T- tell, us, tell us your fantastical story. My fantastical story begins with me. I'm Peter Schaefer. Uh, I am a game designer and writer. Uh, I've done work for White Wolf on a number of their game lines, and I've worked on D&D. And I have loved fantasy and science fiction for all my life. Uh, One of my early memories is uh, crying in my mother's arms because Gandalf was dead. That is, like, strangely beautiful. (laughs) She she had to reassure me without spoiling anything, and I think she did a good job. That's a fine line. Yeah. You have a super mom. Oh, she was pretty great. Wow. In a lot of ways, yeah. That's that's incredible. Um, So, yeah, what's your... Who's your favorite author currently? What are you reading? What am... uh, Hmm... I guess that's two questions. <laughs> that's that. That's true. I mean, what I'm just finishing up reading now is a role-playing game book called Blades in the Dark, which I'm reading for research and work reference. Um, but I just finished, well, I just finished the series that I'm going to talk about today, which was uh, Land Fit for Heroes by Richard K. Morgan. I like Richard K. Morgan a lot, but I wouldn't call him a favorite. I think the name that I always go to when I try to think of a favorite author, despite it not being fantasy in this case, is Isaac Asimov. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I don't. I don't think I know who that is, but I'm have to look at look into it more. Uh, I'm sorry, Isaac Asimov. Yeah, Isaac I'm very Asimov. <laughs> I'm very sheltered. You're a bad person. Yeah, and you Peter. deserve to feel bad. I have a very wrote, important question. Uh, like yes, iRobot and the Foundation series. Oh, okay. I know. Okay, I know these things. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say it really quick though. I love fantasy, but like I'm not as into sci-fi. I'm just gonna say it. You can hate me for it. That's fine. I'll take all the arrows. <laughs> we'll change the We're name the of this podcast boat. to change my mind. <laughs> change my mind. Uh, it's okay. So- I didn't hear it, so I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so Rachel, you had a question. Yes. Do you dream of electric sheep? <laughs> no, I don't, but I have read it. I was trying to figure out if you're an android. Damn it. <laughs> well, well, you really need to get up close with the void comp test and like put like aim the little thing at my eyeball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do this over the computer. It's just we'll trick you every time. I mean, they they will trick you every time. <laughs> How do you know I'm not there? How do you know he's not the computer? Oh, dang. Okay, well, you you could be here somewhere, and now I'm scared. <laughs> I traveled across country in two seconds. <laughs> this is Rachel. She hides in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, let's have Rachel introduce herself from inside your closet. 
Hello, I am Rachel. I am apparently the youngest in this group. Uh, I am a, currently a graduate student, so I gotta have no time and no money. <laughs> Love it. Graduate student studying? Oh, uh, human factor psychology. Right. That's right. I think I asked you this last time, but what does that mean? Okay, so basically, I make humans and computers work well together. So you and Peter should get along great. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I mean... (laughs) I hope hope that lives forever. (laughs) We're 800 episodes in and Peter's still around. Um, yeah. Um, who's your, who's your, what are you reading right now? Who's your favorite author? What are you into? My favorite author would probably be, um, again, Sanderson, mainly because I love the Star- Stormlight Archives to death. So pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that series not getting finished until like 2043, I think. Hey, that's okay. This is honestly one of the first times in my life where I'm into a series like early. You know, yeah. So that's kind of an exciting thing. I don't know if you guys have probably gone through that. Where, I mean, like, well, I think when I started reading The Wheel of Time, there were maybe seven or eight books. See, that's and- why I started it like last year because I knew that I could just read them all in a row and right. just binge it basically. Well, I didn't know how long it was going to not end <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I remember my mom started me on that series and uh, neither of us knew it was a series. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, she's like, oh, this book is so great. And when I finished it, and I went to the library and found, you know, eight more books. And uh-huh. She was like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a great trilogy and then they just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> great trilogy followed by what, you know, 11 more books. Not how many are there total? Did it go, did it go, did it go to fourteen? I there's don't know. There's fourteen. Okay, then yes. That's wild. Then there's also the prequel. Oh god! Don't forget. <laughs> Was it New Spring? Nice and yeah, New Spring, nice and short. That's incredible. God. Well, awesome. So, I mean, yeah. So, this podcast, um, you know, we're 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 gonna be trying to come together every month and just sort of recommend um, a book we read this month uh, to you guys. So, if if, if you're the type of person who's uh, just into fantasy, always looking for something new to read, uh, or just just likes you know listening to people talk about it, you know, this is the show for you. So, um, hopefully, this episode's gonna come out in June. Uh, worst case, it's gonna be a July episode, and then from the, then on, we should uh, know where we stand. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I, I, I messaged all of you guys. None of us knew each other before this. Um, and I messaged you guys all maybe two months ago on Reddit. Yes. On r slash fantasy. Is that correct? Yep. Uh, yep. Fantasy writers, wasn't it? Fantasy, I, I did both. I Might have been sure. both. So r slash fantasy and r slash fantasy writers. And, um, you know, you guys were the real troopers who stuck with it for for the past couple months so um you know this is pretty exciting to actually put it all together so well thank uh, you for assembling us <laughs> avengers assemble so uh who, who, does anyone want to begin and just tell us about the book they read this month and i think 
think we should start from the bottom this time. Oh, I love it. Sure. <laughs> All right, I'll start. Again. All right, so I read Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman because, oh, I, yeah. wanted, because I wanted to watch the TV show. <laughs> and I'm currently three episodes into that TV show. I will talk about that later. I think Anyways. I'm also three episodes in. Yes. Uh... It, Neil, uh, this book is about what would happen if a satanic nun mispla- misplaces the Antichrist. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's <Yep>. loaded. <laughs> Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Sir Terry Pratchett, you know, Discworld series, very funny, very British. And then Neil Gaiman, American Gods, uh, Sandman, all those great novels. Cor- I, and Coraline, which I was pleased to learn about because that movie oh, yeah. freaked, that movie freaked me out as a child mm-hmm. um basically freaked me just, out as an adult <laughs> the button eyes are really weird yes uh basically this is just a feel-good story about the end of the world a feel-good story it is yeah, really yeah. a feel-good story really it really is i think i stole it from somebody on twitter i don't remember i think it was um either peter or daniel Oh, you thief. Yes. (laughs) I take no credit for anything. Ever. So, that's interesting. So, how, how, let me ask you, like, how well do those two write together? Because, I mean, we we all know, obviously, those are two very incredible, very famous writers. Um, Do both of their, like, voices really come out in this book? Well, the thing is, I wouldn't know. I actually haven't read anything about either of them. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, which is funny. Um, so, but uh, yeah, go ahead. It basically, uh, it was ve- the humor was very British. That's mm-hmm. all I can tell you, because as somebody who is obviously very American, I didn't get some of the jokes. Thank God for the footnotes that were just like, for the American, this is what this is, idiot. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't. They actually had footnotes in there like that. Yep. That's brilliant. Uh, has anyone re- read the um, uh, Jonathan Th- Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Suzanne and Clark? Yes. It's also on my pile, and I've watched the uh, the miniseries. Yeah, I watched There's the show. Miniseries. Yes. At- huh? How was it? It's pretty. It was good. actually really good. Okay. Good to know. Um, but it's like that kind of, the book has that kind of, they both have like the footnotes and stuff like that. It's, it, you know, you're right. I, I find them very, very different. However, I mean, they're both set in Britain or a Britain, uh, but the, the tone, yeah, the tone, well, I mean, the tone's enormously different. I mean, Susanna Clark's footnotes are there to explain a little bit of the world building to the reader whereas it feels to me like uh the good omens footnotes are there just for another opportunity to snark which is great yeah (laughs) so i mean i've read um neverwhere by neil game oh yeah which is Mm -hmm. awesome awesome book highly recommend it um oh yeah i love it uh my girlfriend's favorite author is terry pratchett and i've um i'll be honest i didn't finish but i started reading more Mm. And, um, you know, I can get a feel for both of their tones. Uh, Terry Pratchett is probably a lot more. I mean, I would say Terry Pratchett appears to be like Neil Gaiman if Neil Gaiman was taking shrooms. <laughs> Just, he's a little more out there. 
Um, well, we can't say that Neil Gaiman wasn't taking shrooms while writing this. Okay, so maybe Point. more shrooms? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who who can say? Um, oh, Rachel, I have a question. Uh, does it feel like two people wrote the book, or does it does it feel unified? Not at all. It felt very unified in my own my very unofficial unofficial opinion uh i listened to the audiobook so that was just like it was just felt like one flow of the story i i had the the same opinion on reading it that just feels it feels very much like it has a singular voice um so let me ask you guys too because this, this is a question i want all of us to answer at some point is like how does this fit into the greater genre of fantasy in general I think it's a great example of how you do comedy in um, fantasy and how you can make things more funny and light instead of it is dark and it is grim dark. Everyone is dead. That is sort of like a thing, like a trend now, I suppose. Probably because of Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's interesting, too, because that book covers the kind of... and. I don't intend this to be offensive, but it might be, but the Christian mythology Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that most fantasy books do not cover, you know, they tend to stay in the more accepted mythologies. Right. They tend to go polytheistic and, and act more like, well, just try not to act like anything that looks too Christian. Yeah. Avoid the politics of it all. But that book dives headlong into the politics of it all. Yeah. um, it's, It's just what it's about. The um, I actually didn't realize that Metatron was actually like a Christian figure until I read this book, but because mm. I I thought it was just a made up figure in the His Dark Materials series. Oh. And, <laughs> I don't know. I was not a smart child. <laughs> well, you you have homework then. You have to go watch the fantastic Kevin Smith movie Dogma, uh, featuring yeah Dogma featuring Alan Rickman as the Metatron. He's fantastic. I've seen that. That's a freaking awesome movie. God, I haven't seen that in years. I haven't even thought about that movie in years. I have never heard of this movie. Oh, wow. I, I think of it anytime I hear the word Metatron. Oh, I need to watch think that again. Think of Supernatural. <laughs> Supernatural? Oh, yeah. yeah was- There's another great Metatron. <laughs> Metatron is played by one of the nerds from those nerds movies. Booger. I think his name is Booger. <laughs> what, from like Revenge of the Nerds? Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, the oh. 80s movies that I'm sure you were all... Uh, sorry, I'm making references that predate all of you again. No, it's all right. My dad showed no, me not me. Movies. Oh, that's right. I've, I've one ally. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Your dad showed you all those movies. Great. <laughs> no, good movies, though. All right, so, so ultimately, though, recommend... Yeah, um, I didn't really laugh out loud, mainly because I was listening to it at work, <laughs> and that's oh. probably because uh, my work is I walk around in a circle for eight hours. Yay! <laughs> what kind of job do you have? <laughs> Underpaid security. Oh. <laughs> oh. Huh, I thought I had something to do with psychology, but that's just what you're studying, not what you do. Okay. <laughs> I need. St- I still need to make money somehow. <laughs> Do they give you a taser? No, I have a walkie-talkie that I'm really not allowed to use. <laughs> oh, the ultimate weapon of defense, tattling. <laughs> God, they could at least give you like a baton. 
Jeez. They would have to train us for that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's not in the college budget. Uh. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So, um, I'm I'm actually that that book sounds super interesting because obviously Neil Gaiman and, and Terry Pratchett are both just incredible writers. So, um, I've been seeing that one on shelf or on shelves at every bookstore right up front uh. when you walk in. So. When I was reading it I, or listening to it, I kept picturing David Tennant and how he would be um, Crowley, and I was told literally wrong on how he would portray it. <laughs> you know, I've been he, I've been needing a new show to watch. Maybe I'll check that out. It's six ex- episodes, about an hour each. Oh, that's a breeze. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not gonna read the book, at least go check out the Amazon show, guys. Non-sponsored. Non-sponsored. I was just going to say, can we get sponsored by Amazon now? <laughs> That's the goal, right? Right. I think it's 17 more mentions within the hour, and then we get we get automatically sponsored. I mean, or if you, or, I mean, if we mention Audible, I think that counts too, right? Oh, yeah. That's They're amazing. owned by the same company, so... Right. So, you know, listen listen to Good Omens on Audible, or check it out on Amazon Prime, and, and uh, uh, hey, Jeff Bezos, you know, send me a car. Oh, yeah, and... Um, <laughs> buy it on kindle nope right <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh i'm pretty sure it's cheap on kindle i'm pretty sure it's cheap on kindle anyways pick it up used in a bookstore what oh wait about? no that that doesn't sorry <laughs> peter amazon just asked us to remove you from the podcast okay bye overlord bezos said you are no longer allowed <laughs> His programming programming didn't realize that he can't do bookstores. <laughs> well, there are actually what well, there are Amazon bookstores now. There are. Yeah, it is the weirdest thing. Well, you're, in, you're in Seattle. Right? I'm in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So you get all the you get all the fun gadgets first. Fun, right? Gadgets, a brick and mortar store with books on display where you can purchase them with money. Yeah, this but I think they're date. robots selling them, right? Peter, do you, you work know, there? I do not work there. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of the other robots work there. I mean, some of the robots work there, not other. <laughs> it's a little Freudian slip. Yes. Oh, yes. You live in Seattle, where I live in Hickville. <laughs> or not really Hickville, but in the... <laughs> I, I am kind of in the center of certain things. I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> All right, so, um, Peter, you made mention earlier to the book that you read. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Um, I read a trilogy uh, by Richard K. Morgan. Uh, Richard K. Morgan is best known, I think, for Altered Carbon, which was uh, not too long ago a series on Netflix, was it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Which was moderately faithful to the book. I mean, it, it changed large chunks that worked better on screen but uh you know so it it had it has a tv presence now the book is a fantastic you know cyber noir mystery thriller but that's what he's best known for what i read was uh, the trilogy called uh, a land fit for heroes which i think has got to be an ironic title because all three of the characters in it are at best anti-heroes um and and i think and at worst, uh, at, at worst, assholes or monsters, <laughs> uh, depending on the one. And I think I think all of them end up being heroic, but none of them would 
would call themselves a hero. Uh, probably just the opposite, if anything. So, uh, so I feel like that tril- uh, that series title has got to be considered ironic. Uh, the first book is "The Steel Remains." Um, I have to admit, I had a little trouble getting into this book. Picking it up this time was the second time that I picked it up to read. Uh, the first time I got, couldn't say how far, maybe halfway, and I just kind of petered out. Um, huh. ah, ah, ah. Um, yeah. We, we, you, you can put in a, a nice badum tish, right? <laughs> We're going to need a soundboard. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Sad try to add it in the post. <laughs> but, uh, Here, do all the sounds. <laughs> Oh, he is I, don't, a I don't know what that confirmed. was. Confirmed. I don't, I don't know what that was. It sounded like a Pokemon. <laughs> no, Pokemon say names. Um, well, so one of the things that I found hard about the the book when I first tried to read it was that it felt like it was dropping a lot of uh, names of historical aspects of the setting or uh, peoples that I wasn't familiar with and it wasn't taking time to explain them. Um, On my second read through, either because I already had a little bit of familiarity or uh, maybe it's just a change in myself, but I found that more appealing. Um, I think as I've aged, I've grown less uh, patient for fantasy books that want to tell me a dozen things about their special fantasy nations and races and how they all relate. And I am much more patient with picking that up over a hundred pages, learning it as it becomes relevant or as the characters observe aspects of it. Um, so I think I was probably more patient with the book this time. And I got to learn about how, well, just a bunch of different things, how there used to be these, uh, people from a different world who were there who had some kind of strange advanced technology but they'd left uh leaving political environment very different than when they arrived and there had been a war within the last decade or so and and uh, at least two of our main characters are veterans of that war and now living kind of a i used to be a hero and now I don't know what to do with myself life. And I found that very interesting. Yeah. I feel, I feel like a lot of like, I mean, so first, actually, this is definitely more of a sci-fi kind of book than a traditional fantasy, correct? Well, no, actually. I mean, it sounds like it when I said, well, what did I say? The advanced technology. Yeah. Except it doesn't seem like advanced technology at first. It's only, It's only a book and the ha- a book and a half in or so when they uh, give you more detail about how the people who wielded it treated it as technology. They considered it something you could study and learn and improve. But to everyone else in the world, and that includes us, it's basically magic. Is it kind of like Zelda's like half sci-fi, like half fantasy kind of thing? I couldn't say if it's exactly. I couldn't say how closely it, it resembles that. It's it's just couldn't say. I couldn't relate it. Um, Maybe a Final Fantasy vibe. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yes, yeah, somewhat in parts. I mean, basically, the people who who had this technology that is mostly magic 
uh, are all gone. And so what, what remains is completely magical to the people who are still there. Um, and that includes some kind of entities that you and I might consider an AI, but I don't think is actually an AI. It's certainly not called an AI, um, but they, you know, they used to pilot, not pilot warships exactly, but guide, uh, you know, huge chunks of, of machinery in this regard. Um, and now they're disconnected from everything and they're going a little crazy and they don't have much to do except talk to people. Um, for example, what I wanted to say earlier to your point about um, following these characters who are they used to be heroes, but now they don't know what to do with their lives. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like so often we follow like a young protagonist who um, yes, is sort of going on their first adventure and the mistakes they make are often, you know, it's like bravery and foolishness and you know they don't have the experience behind them and i always think it's so interesting to read from an older person's point of view yeah and it definitely was in this case and uh, one of the things that i enjoy reading in general is uh, competent heroes uh so you know this these characters were all very good at the things that they knew how to do and most cases they were you know like i said veterans so they were very good at fighting um but also uh to reach out to other genres uh jack reacher which is a thriller series is a is a very competent detective sort of person mm-hmm. uh or uh science fiction honor harrington uh is an exceedingly competent starship captain uh, i enjoy competent characters um and these characters uh, accomplish that very well uh, another book in the similar vein of picking up with characters, you know, 10 or 20 years past their prime would be um, Kings of the Wild. Oh, yeah, I was going to mention that. that. It's great. excellent. Yeah. Is I that just, spelt with a, a Y? Correct. Yeah. It's by Nicholas Ames. I had that recommended to me as well. Excellent. Well, here's another recommendation for that one. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I and I wanted to play D and D immediately afterwards. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I enjoyed that book very, very much. One of the things that I loved about it was that the main character, like all the characters, had their special uh, traits, their named weapons or whatnot. But the main character, his named weapon of the legacy was a shield, which is just. I mean, it says so much about his character, and it's so unusual in in fantasy. Uh, you know, everyone has the named sword that can cleave through anything, but he was about right. protecting people. He was the tank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So, I mean, hmm. let me think here. Does anyone else have any other questions? So Peter, what was the name of this book again? The one you were the one you're actually reviewing. <laughs> the the first book in the trilogy is called The Steel Remains. Um, the second is The Cold Commands, the third is The Dark Defiles. Um, each of those you might notice is a uh, play on words where it's using both a, a verb and a noun in the same word. Um but yeah nice 
That's pretty neat. Yeah. So, Nick, what did you read uh, this? Yeah, so, um, you know, I I, uh, I originally started reading a very long book and uh, quickly realized I wasn't going to finish in time. So I switched to a shorter novel. Um, so it's, it's called The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro. And um, this, too, follows um, older protagonists. Um, the main two characters are an elderly couple, um, pretty much at this point, you know, certainly cl- closing into the ends of their lives. And um, it's, it's sort of set in like that, like a, a post sort of King Arthur uh, England um, sort of setting. And it, it follows these characters who decide, you know, we should go see our son. We should go. Um, he'll he'll welcome us to their village. But the weird thing going on here, and this book is a little difficult to follow at times um, because of this. There's this weird sort of magical curse in all of the land that's causing everybody to essentially forget things or not remember things correctly. So there's a lot of confusion from the point of view of the characters, and it sort of leads to the reader being a little confused, but it works. Is um, it an un, unreliable narrator situation? Almost, yeah. Except it's very obvious. It's like some, like you know, for example, if you're reading, um, you know, The Catcher in the Rye, you know, with Holden Caulfield as an un- unreliable narrator. That's what I always go to when I when I think of unreliable narrators. Um, I think I think of King Killer. <laughs> yeah, there's an argument for that for sure. <laughs> um. But, you know, with that, it's actually pretty convincing. You don't always necessarily realize you're being lied to or things are, you know, with this, you know, they'll say they'll say something at the beginning and later they'll completely say something that is like the op- like I'll try to give you an example um, without obviously spoiling anything. Um, at the beginning, they're saying, oh, we haven't seen our son in so many years. I wonder if he'll, um, you know we should go see him but he won't know we're coming kind of thing and then later it just changes to oh our son is waiting for us he really wants to see us and like they haven't spoken to him he has no clue so you know it goes from from things being um you know just like thoughts or ideas to like facts suddenly interesting yeah it's very jarring i mean is it kind of like a commentary on you know, dementia or like, like because they're older characters, kind of elderly characters. So, I mean, it's not just them though. It's everybody. Um, it's, it, I think the book is a lot more a commentary on, um, our, like our lives being fleeting. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, metaphor in the book about how, you know, things die and are buried and forgotten. And, um, you know, like they talk about villages that, you know, uh, a long time ago, this village was a, a fortress, and now there are monks living in it, and they don't even remember what these buildings once were, kind of thing. So, yeah, there, there's a Is lot that... of talk about about how, and, and they also talk about you know people die and they're buried in the ground, and that that ground is um, brings new life, but people forget that there's all of these dead things in the ground, kind of thing. So, it seems to be some sort of commentary on that. Um, but I mean, but it has, you know, it has everything you'd expect out of a fantasy novel. It has a dragon, it has a knight, it has, you know, uh, sort of has a a princess that they need to go save or whatever. And, and so it it does sort of, um, tick those boxes, 
but it's just definitely not um, not a typical fantasy book, I would say. Yeah, um, that author actually, I actually read one of his other books for college. Um, mm-hmm. Never, he wrote uh, Never Let Me Go. If anyone heard of that, I haven't. But yeah, I, that's that's actually one kind of thing I did want to say about this book is like, I mean, this is a um, like a. Washington Post gave it, you know, a bunch of um, credit and it won a bunch of prizes. It, it almost feels like one of those sort of New York Times bestseller novels rather than a fantasy book. And like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed reading it and I would recommend it. But at the same time, I, I I tend to really like those sort of just quick and dirty fantasy, you know, not I don't I don't even necessarily care if the fantasy book is trying to say something. I mean, it's always better if it is. But, you know, I'm okay with just, you know, listening to or, or reading just some sort of, you know, just warriors going out and fighting goblins kind of thing. I'm fine with that. Sure. Well, every book has a message, even if it's not trying to say something. <laughs> that's that's fair. It's a good point. So it reads like literary fiction. Did, did I mean, was it a fun read? Did you enjoy reading it or did it leave you sort of melancholy at the end? Definitely left me thinking at the end. Um, I don't want to spoil the ending in any way of, you know, whether it's happier or sad or anything like that. But, um, but it definitely, it, 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 you have to work to read it a little bit. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's a quick read. It's only 300 pages and it, it does go pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, I can enjoy books like that, but I definitely have to be kind of in the mood. I'm glad you, I'm glad you let us know that before I got started and you know, <laughs> didn't ruin my day reading it or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and it is, it is kind of cool because it's supposed to be set after you know years after King Arthur has died, and and some of these older characters. There's also like um, a knight who he's definitely much much older at this point, but he was a he was a knight of King Arthur, and like um, the Round Table, like one of the Round Table. I think he was technically um, King Arthur's nephew, is what he says. Mm. So, but, you know, it's it's sort of, I I thought it was interesting to sort of have that backdrop that, like, you know, everybody knows the story vaguely of King Arthur, and to sort of pick up on that and create this new world, it it was pretty interesting, I will say. There's so many different interpretations of King Arthur. You have, like... Um, there was a, recently like a kids movie, the kid who would be king, and all that stuff, and then you have all of fate. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, true. Freaking fate, yeah, fate that is just like what? Yeah, you what can't unpick that story. <laughs> uh, Although those why? those types of stories generally, <laughs> you can't yeah. follow it all, anyways. <laughs> why does Nero and King Arthur look the exact same? <laughs> <laughs> Play the video game to find out. No, play the phone. Play the phone game. Oh God! <laughs> there's the, there's my old man rearing up again. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, I, I suppose Daniel, uh, it's your turn to sort of tell us about your book, huh? Sure. Uh, so I read uh, a book called Uncanny Collateral, uh, written by Brian McClellan. I love that uh, author. Uh, yeah, Brian. Brian is uh, uh, best known for his Powder Mage books. Um, I think there's six of them now, uh, along with uh, a bunch of 
short stories and novellas. Uh, this one, Uncanny Collateral, I had a, I, I wrecked the internet trying to figure out if it was a novel or a novella. It's pretty short. Um, I, I think it, it does, like, it's kind of right at the, the shallow end of novel. Uh, it's urban fantasy, and it follows uh, a, a half-ogre named Alec, who is kind of like a repo man for the supernatural world uh, that is kind of, you know, layered underneath our normal mundane world. Uh, and he has been tasked with recovering souls for death uh, because some idiot has uh, gone out and stolen a bunch of souls from death, uh, which everyone is their immediate reaction to this is like, well, that is the dumbest thing anyone's ever heard of doing. Uh, so Alec has to, to run around and reclaim these souls. Uh, it reads it reads pretty good. I mean, Brian McClellan, I have enjoyed all the Power Mage books. Uh, I think the later half of that series uh, is really, really excellent. Um, uh, you mean the, the second trilogy? Yeah, the second trilogy. The one that deals with uh, Ben Stike and the with uh, Rough Riders or whatever they're called. <laughs> the, with the, Flora is the main character, right? Uh. Uh, well, no, I think really Ben is the main character of those books, uh, at least in the first two. I think you're right. The kind of last of the trilogy deals a lot more with her. Um, uh, I only, yeah, I only know her because I read the first, I only read the first trilogy. I haven't gotten to the second trilogy yet. Yeah. Ben Stike is a new character that's introduced in the first novel. Like the first novel is almost entirely about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a third POV character. That's a spy named Michael or Michelle or something like that. Yeah. But um, but yeah, he I mean he brings a lot of the same sensibilities from that series to this one. He's got really great dialogue, and um, you know, even though it's a a modern setting, uh, you know, one of the great things about the Power Mage stories is how you know there's all this kind of fantastic stuff with mages and guns exploding everywhere. But he'll coach it in these uh, kind of in that it's kind of Victorian modern settings where you know modern day life is still going on around it it's the same here where you know uh uh, one of the (laughs) one of the things that happens is alec has to raid a uh, a meth house uh, only the meth house is run by imps uh who are all like you know you're kind of standard meth head except they're magical imps uh so it's really it's funny and um i don't get the difference engaging yeah i mean ultimately there's there's not a lot of difference between a meth head and an imp it turns out uh that's probably how most humans uh you know get through their day without going insane it's just like oh that's not a magical creature that's just someone strung out on methamphetamines (laughs) um so I, what I appreciated about like Power Mage was the detective character. I really loved him and like how he's just like an old man in this setting. Is there like a character or like a feeling in that book? So this is uh, Uncanny Collateral is, is kind of like a uh, a detective story, but it's really more like the hard boiled kind mm-hmm. of detective story where you know he's not really investigating so much as he's punching his way to clues. Uh, you know he. He he's like, oh, something there's a guy over here that might know something. And he doesn't like scout the place out. He just kicks the door in and starts hitting people until someone tells him something interesting. (laughs) This sounds like an incredible, incredibly like action packed little book. It does. It, It You know, he starts off 
in, in more or less an action scene and, and it really just hits the pedal and does not stop. I think the, the short length actually is uh, usually I prefer like really long, complicated fantasy novels, but this one, you know, he packs it in so tight that uh, I really didn't notice how short it was. It feels like it's going to be like, it'd be like a really fun movie or something like that. Yeah, totally. And he, and he does like add some uh, hooks at the end to kind of, you know, uh, lay the groundwork for future novels and stuff. But uh, this one's pretty self-contained. You know, I really I really liked it a lot. Uh, have you read the Harry Dresden books? I have. I have. So how, how would you uh, compare the feel? You know, I thought about that as I was writing up my review and uh, because obviously like Harry Dresden is the urban fantasy sort of benchmark. Um, yeah. And I think it, it does line up a lot with the earlier Harry Dresden where not a lot of the sort of fantastic rules have been well established. And so it feels like there's a lot of open space in the book for things to be added in. And it doesn't, it doesn't lean hard on the supernatural aspects. It, it feels very grounded in the mundane world. Like all the difficulties that uh, Alec has to deal with are things that I would totally assume, you know, a normal detective or police officer would probably have to deal with, except, you know, it's being put on him by, you know, uh, death, you know, like his, his primary client is death. Even just contacting death is sort of an, an operation in odd supernatural bureaucracy. Um, so it, it, it feels a lot like the style of Harry Dresden without kind of steal, trying to steal its voice or anything like that. Neat. Uh, To to contrast that, have you read the Rivers of London series or the PC Grant, uh, Peter Grant series? I have not read those. Okay, never mind. (laughs) It's a similar like um, uh, urban fantasy, but has more like hard magic and stuff like that. Like uh, sometimes if you use magic, you'll just go have holes in your head. (laughs) Oh. That's a that's a dumb phrase to pay. Oh, yeah, yeah this one head hole problem. <laughs> well, it's not it's not like head. It's more like you get holes in your brain and you start growing crazy and then you die. So, oh yeah, yeah. this one yeah, there there was not a lot of magic. Uh, mm-hmm. Alec has a couple. He has more like magic tools. He's not a magic user himself. Primarily, his sort of supernatural expression is that he's a a half ogre so he gets he has tusks that kind of pop out every once in a while when he gets real pissed off he's very strong Uh, Uh, he has he he has like a a mjolnir tattoo on one hand that acts like a taser what okay yeah sure I got one of those I mean we all should it's I'm not a robot (laughs) do you just have a taser in your hand Peter I can neither confirm nor deny. Peter. <laughs> yes. Confirm or deny. I can neither confirm nor deny. I, my hand taser. You know, Daniel, this <laughs> this book sounds wild. You had you had me at half ogre. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting pick, I think, for the main character. You know, you, he he is not super heroic or anything like that. He's mostly just trying to get by day to day and, and you know McClellan does a really good job of bringing that sort of human element to a very non-human character to life I, I think that's something that he's really good at especially in the Powder Mage uh, stories and it's true here too 
I feel like even in like um, D&D or something like that, I never choose to play as like a, a half ogre or a half orc even or anything like that. You know what I mean? I always choose some sort of or I feel like a lot of people always end up like choosing something more like a human or an elf or something more, you know. No way. I'm always a half orc barbarian. Are you really? <laughs> I always I, I, am. Not always, but. I end up being a halfling trickster. See, like, yeah, like a halfling or a dwarf or something. I don't know. There's something about, like, the orc race, I think, that always just, like, at least for me, I'm always just, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I'm a, I'm a squishy wizard. <laughs> a squizzard. It's, it's definitely a type. Uh, okay. now we, and now we know Katie is the, you know, the smash them first, uh, you know, magic them later kind of character. Oh, no magic at all. Magic. Puh, spit. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the stick with which I use to crush. Yes. But is it a magic stick? It's a crush stick. Uh, <laughs> plus three to crushing. Behold my crush stick. There are many like it, but this one is crushing. But you can also do the pokey stick where you poke at things. Ooh, poke stick. The stabby stick? No, no, pokey stick. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's like your ten foot pole. Checking for traps. Yeah. <laughs> That's old school, man. I love it. Uh, I date myself once again. Here's a toast to everyone. <laughs> hey, at least I know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I was looking up stats for whips, and I was like, why is this whip so useless? It only has, like, D4 damage, but apparently it's 30 feet. <laughs> there is that. Um, but I think when you use it, you have to whistle the uh, Indiana Jones theme. Yep, required. That's a good home rule. Yeah. Yes, that's gonna fit so well into my cells at work setting. In a <laughs> when are my players are cells and they're in a Victorian's body. Oh what? <laughs> I love everything about what you just said. <laughs> I do too, but I don't know what any of it was. Well, so I mean, Daniel, did did you find that like telling a story from the point of view of like a character like this from of like an orc? I mean, you said before they did a very good job of humanizing him, but, like, was that... I'm sorry, Ogre, not Orc. Um, Was that a part of the story, or was it just sort of ignored generally? Um... His his sort of half-humanness, half-Ogre-ness, it does come up in the story. It's not really a driving force. Uh, mostly his situation is defined by the fact that he is essentially a slave that he's not necessarily employed so much as forced to work for the, the sort of repo agency that he's involved with. Um, so, you know, for the most part, he's a very human character until, you know, there are these big action scenes where his non-human nature kind of comes out. Have you read uh, Sandman Slim? I have not. Uh, by Richard Cadry. It sounds not, you know, exactly similar, but relatable. Um, it's somebody died and went to hell where apparently they were used as a pit fighter for demons entertainment. Um, uh, but in order to get him to win, they modified him and have improved him, and I think started using him as an assassin or in hell or something. And at some seems point, seems reasonable. Yeah, sure, as you do. Um, and at some point, he came back to Earth, like he came back to life as a an undead or something, and then has to solve some kind of apocalyptic mystery on Earth. 
Yeah, because that's what happens when you're modified by hell. Then very step two is uh, solve a mystery. <laughs> step three, profit. Yeah. Yep. All the best plants. Can I solve a mystery? <laughs> Please. She really needs the money. <laughs> but you have to go to hell first. Oh, I yeah. don't want to go to hell. It's no. hot there. It, I already yeah. live in the hot place. <laughs> Well, the ninth circle of hell is supposed to be frozen, so you can go there. Yeah, that's Massachusetts. <laughs> I will de- do the 18-hour drive- car drive to Massachusetts. Yay! Yay. All right, so Daniel, what was the name of that book again one last time? So that was uh, Uncanny Collateral by Brian McClellan. Fantastic. So, um, Katie, we're going to jump to you now. It's, it's finally your turn. Oh, maybe I should have gone first. <sighs> Just kidding. Um, so I read The Goblin Wood by Hilary Bell. Um, I was actually a little worried at first because it seemed really adult. Because it, you know, the main character, she's 11 years old when the book starts. Um, and her mom gets murdered for being a hedge witch because the the government is a theocracy and they're like, oh no, if you're not sanctioned by us, then you must be, you know, part of the Dark Ones minions. And so they're all um, persecuted, hunted down. Yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty much Okay, so, um, so McKenna, she meets um, a goblin named Cogswallop. That's a name. And it, oh. yeah, mm-hmm. it, Cogswallop. Not Codswallop. Cogswallop. Cogswallop. Yeah. Cogswallop? No. Hey. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> it's a PG show, okay? Watch it. <laughs> yeah. There just goes wait. our Amazon subscription. <laughs> we just got demonetized, all right? Subscription or uh, I meant sponsorship. Words are hard. <laughs> no, they, they're actually going to go in and cancel your account. Your Amazon. Oh, oh no. no. Oh. How will I watch Good Omens? For real, I need that to live. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so um she indebts Cogswallop by saving his life. And there's a, a huge theme of balances in the book. And it's explained that goblins believe thoroughly that if you owe somebody, you can't be equals. So even if mm. If you ask someone to do a favor, then you have to give them something in return. And friends, they can trade just like pine cones or stones, just whatever they have, so that they're still equal. Um, but anyway, it turns out that it wasn't actually super young adult because, you know, there's a five year time jump and McKenna is fighting against the humans for the goblins because they're being pushed out of their lands to the north. Um, so then another character, Tobin, he's a knight who is working for the theocracy and he's sent to stop the sorceress who's enslaved the goblins. Uh, and he he goes up there, meets her, and it's kind of cutesy teenish but it doesn't have the whole oh they're gonna fall in love and give up their plights or whatever 
to be with each other. So are they? do they share POV uh, pretty evenly, or is it primarily one character? That they- it's mostly from McKenna's point of view, but it does go into the knight's view. Um, do you get like a good view of kind of both sides, I, I guess, of the... Yeah, um, you can see that the um, from McKenna's view, the goblins, they need a place. They helped her. She helps them. Um, the humans, she hates them because they've killed her mother for being a witch. Um, and then mm-hmm. from Tobin's point of view, they they need to go into where the goblins are living because there's actually some barbarians from the south encroaching on their land and killing and engaging in cannibalism. So they need to go. Oh, jinkies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got kind of dark a little bit in some places. What's a little cannibalism between friends? <laughs> A lot of cannibalism is what's what it is. <laughs> what's between those friends, yes. So, so um, you were saying before this book, were you, were you saying it was sort of young adult or it was adult? It, it started as young adult, but then I would say that it's um, more of a, a new adult, as I've learned as a category now. So it's like 17 and... It, it engages in more adult themes, I would say, other than than young adult themes. I mean, was there a lot of like gory violence or uh, you know stuff a like that of, that kind of made a lot of penises everywhere? Just penises left, right, center, penises everywhere. I think you're describing Game of Thrones. Pen- <laughs> I'm just gonna throw out boobs. there boobs everywhere. Peter's another name. I don't want to read Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just felt that it was more of a of a an adult theme because of the like the YA tropes, I guess. Yeah, like we weren't they weren't doing the whole kissy kissy scenes where they're just like so cute and oh young love. No. They, so the the plot is not competing with the char- the character, uh, you know. It's not about their romance. It's about the war that's going on, the fighting, the the land grass that's happening. You know, it sounds kind of like the the book gave you different expectations at the start, and then kind of switched themes on you. Was it jarring? It was not jarring because. Like at the end of chapter three is right when the time switch happens. And she was, you know, she's still 11, but she's called General by Cogswallop. And it's like, oh, okay, so she's actually going to be part of this war that's happening. And I was interested in the war, not that she's 11. Was she 11 before and after the time hop? No, she turned... Uh, it was like a five-year time jump, and at some point she had turned twelve before the jump. So I guess. So she's was, like seventeen. Uh, yeah, so she's seventeen during the okay. rest of the book. Got it. I always find time jumps interesting, you know, when authors choose to use them. I mean, did it ever feel like you know you really wished you had seen any of those five years? Um, 
at points when she was like talking about, oh yeah, I've killed all these humans. It's like, oh, okay. There's a little darker side to you that has not been shown in the book. Just in this seat, but it's okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. we'll have to give it a shot. Uh, has anyone read Poppy War by R.F. King? No. Uh, I want to say yes. I feel like I've read. Uh, I guess it's kind of like giving me that. Well, that book didn't start off as uh, have a YA feel, but it is younger, a younger character. And in the beginning, it's kind of like we're in school. We're in school. Well, I love the school vibe, but then it's just like, oh, look, there's a war. <laughs> war is hell. I, I guess that's huh. kind of it did have that kind of like feel, I guess. If I'm understanding this correctly. Um, not really. It wasn't like, oh, you know, picking flowers and all of a sudden you're being stabbed. So it, it, it wasn't was more abrupt. Like, no, it was not abrupt. Uh, can I, I ask? Like, knew that- can I ask? Like at the end, you know, um, you know, kind of what I asked Nick earlier. Like, did you did it leave you feeling like, oh, that was a fun read, or was it more like, oh boy, war is hell? <laughs> I really liked it. Like, I liked the whole book. But of course, it ended with a huge cliffhanger, and then I had to read the next two books. Oh man! Oh, yeah. a, man, what a oh man! I had to. You had to read <laughs> more. It, which like was fine. About it. I feel so bad for you. But the next two books were definitely in the young adult category because if the second one follows um, the knight's younger brother who's trying to save him, and it kind of dragged. Well, hmm. they weren't as good did as the have, first book. Did it have middle middle book syndrome? It definitely did. Hmm. So only write sequels. No trilogies, please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in what, what, what year? It was like two, like the early 2010s, where everything was a trilogy. Yep. I want somebody to only write prequels and just keep going backwards. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this idea. This sounds brilliant. That's what I want. Just start at the end and just move your yep. way to the beginning, like Memento. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, I, I am intrigued by this idea. How much yes. more time do you guys have? Do you have a lot of free time I, to keep chit-chatting? Well, I I'm, have to go hang out with people. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Oh, no, that's so hard. It is. <laughs> I have to move to my living room and still wear it. But I have to put on pants. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, right. PSA, if you guys aren't wearing pants before you do stuff, put them on. <laughs> And if you need a pair of pants, you can buy them on Amazon Prime. Yes, Amazon Prime. Free shipping. They'll be shipped straight up your ankles. (laughs) How will it get through the floor? Jeff Bezos will come to your house and dress you. It won't be creepy at all. The money I would pay. (laughs) You joke, but. I mean, now he's a billionaire, so he's got to do something to entertain us. Well, he's also newly single. Oh, oh he's not well, single. That's right. Yeah. Why he get out there and meet? I thought he was cheating on his wife. 
I don't know. I'm pretty yeah, sure he's cheating on his wife, and that's cheating why on your wife out. is a good path to being single again. Yeah, well, no, how we lose sponsorships. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just reporting what the reports reported. All right. You mean the tabloids? The the, the... <laughs> the New York yes, Times. That's what people do our our fantasy book of the month is for all the hard journalism. <laughs> because <laughs> Nick, our fearless leader. <laughs> hey guys, I'm not. I'm dependent on you guys here. I don't know why you keep looking at me. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I just work here. All right. Yeah, Rachel's in charge. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. Um, you know, we, we are going to have all of these book reviews uh, posted online on TooManyThoughtsMedia.com. So you can, you know, please go check those out, read those reviews, um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. We'll be posting these podcasts as videos on YouTube. And, uh, you know, go to TooManyThoughtsMedia.com for more podcasts and shenanigans. Thank you, guys. You can just send us money. We did it. We did it. We did the first podcast, right? And we'll be coming back next month for more. Um, I take checks. (laughs) Peter, you take credit cards. Peter takes checks. PayPal, money order. Anything online for Peter. I don't think I have the capability to write checks anymore. (laughs) Peter has uh, Venmo installed in his hard drive. It is very much not not a robot body. (laughs) No, but, my my Venmo account is external to my uh, chassis. <laughs> oh no, his programming is breaking down. We need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and we'll be back next month with another ep- episode, and I think we'll start doing some themes, some themed based discussions. If you guys are interested. Theme. Next month's theme: oranges. <laughs> yeah, we'll fi- we'll figure out what the theme is, and we'll we'll let you guys know. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, check us out online and look forward to the next podcast. And otherwise, keep reading. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.